This morning I would like to invite you to turn your Bibles first to our Old Testament reading from uh, Micah. From Micah. Chapter 6, verse 8. Just one verse, but this verse speaks to us about what God wants to see in the life of his children, namely humility. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness. So you have justice, you have Kindness, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. A humble walk with God. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning from verse 22 to 36, our text this morning. John, chapter 3, beginning from verse 22 to 36. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside. And he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anan near Salem because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Let's pray. 
our Father and our God, we now ask you to use the preaching of your word to conform your people, your children, to the image and the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is indeed truth. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Yesterday afternoon, something interesting happened to me. I was here in the office. I saw Ryan here in the church working on the computer. I greeted him, and I was leaving the church, and an older man was walking by the outdoor, outdoor signboard of our church. He saw the title of the sermon for this morning, Jesus' Best Man. And as I was giving him um, an opportunity to pass by, before I continued driving, he looked at me and he said, are you the pastor? And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I am the pastor. And pointing his finger at the title of the sermon for this morning, he said to me, but Jesus was not married. And I said to him, yes, Jesus was not married. The title actually is taken from the illustration that John the Baptist used to explain his relationship to Jesus Christ. I told the older man, John the Baptist, by using this title, the best man, the friend of the bridegroom, he was explaining to people what his ministry was all about. His ministry was to present sinners to Jesus, Jesus being the bridegroom. And the man smiled and he said, thank you. I said to him, if you want to hear more about this, come tomorrow. So I got the smile, but I don't see him in church this morning. But you also know why I gave this title to my sermon this morning, Jesus' Best Man. In Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus commanded John the Baptist to the extent that he made him the greatest prophet, the great servant of Christ in the world. Jesus said, I haven't seen anyone like John the Baptist when it comes to humility, when it comes to serving God and the Son of God in humility it is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was known for his humility. He was so humble. It has been said in the Christian life, after conversion, after you are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
the first order of business is self-denial. The first order of business is not, to, is not preaching. It is not witnessing. It is self-denial. In other words, it is humility. The moment you start walking the Christian life, the moment you start speaking as a Christian, the first order of business in the Christian life is humility. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which, to which you are being called. What is, Paul, what is Paul saying here? Paul is telling us, God converted you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit caused you to be born again as, as a Christian, new creation in Christ Jesus. For this purpose, to walk in this calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, Bearing one another in love. My interest is humility. The first sign of you and I being a Christian is not speaking in tongues. Far from the truth. It is humility. It is how we express ourselves and how we Interact with Christ and our brothers and sisters in Christ and other people with all humility. Now remember where we have been in the Gospel of John. How things are progressing in harmony for God's glory and our instruction. Let me refresh your mind. It will, it will give sense to all of you. Our Lord Jesus Christ had an extended conversation with Nicodemus, a well-known religious teacher and leader in Israel. And Jesus told him, in a very powerful but mysterious way, that if he wants to enter heaven, if he wants to enter the kingdom of God, he must be born again from above. And that is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't make ourselves born again from above. The Holy Spirit does that in our life. Now you see what we are learning this morning from our text is. And that, that should cause every believer, every Christian... The fact that we have been born again from above by the power of the Holy Spirit. That should cause every believer to start living his life as a Christian with a great sense of humility. That's exactly what, what John the Baptist did. He did his ministry with humility. He did his interaction with the religious leaders of his time, his disciples, the disciples of Christ, with humility to the extent of having 
a mindset of seeking, welcoming, and rejoicing in the glorification of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And by God's grace, I want us to consider this this morning under three headings taken from, taken from our text. First, I want us to consider the setting, verse 22-24, and then the issue and the response from John, and then the, the illustration that John gave about his ministry in relation to Jesus, verse 29 to 36. First, the setting. This is what John tells us here in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anan near Salem, because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now put this in your mind. At the time that the jealousy of the disciples of John the Baptist against the popularity of Jesus was transpired, both Jesus and John the Baptist was doing their respective ministries in two different places. John the Baptist was, was not yet in prison, so he was preaching the kingdom of God. He was baptizing people. And Jesus, being in another location, was doing his ministry. This was what happened during the time of transition. After the occasion with Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea, Judea, to the countryside in Judea. And John the Baptist and his disciples went to Samaria. John the Baptist left Judea to Christ. So there was this overlap in the ministry of the two of them, but both of them were doing their ministries. John, as soon as Jesus went into the regions around Judea and Jerusalem, he went to the north, Samaria. He left Judea for Jesus. You see his humility. You see how he respected Jesus. He never saw himself as the star. As the Christ. The moment Jesus started his earthly ministry, he left. Judea to Jesus. The two ministries were overlapping, something happened to jo John's ministry then. What happened? Until the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, the popularity of John was soaring. 
Matthew 3, 5 tells us, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the, the region about the Jordan were going out to him, to John the Baptist. Who was coming to John the Baptist? You see his popularity. The Pharisees was coming to John the Baptist. The Sadducees were coming to John the Baptist. The priests in Israel were coming to the Jordan River to hear John's teaching. The tax collectors were coming to John the Baptist. The poor and the rich in Israel were coming to John the Baptist. He was so popular. Until Jesus began his ministry. Then a shift took place. Then people who were coming to John the Baptist started going to Jesus. That was the transition. Something happened to his ministry. In the mind of his disciples, not John, his disciples was a crisis in John's ministry. His ministry was flourishing and was gaining many more followers. John, in the most successful point of his ministry, faced a crisis. People started leaving him to go to Jesus. Jesus started his ministry. And things started to change instantly for John. Shift took place between John's ministry and Jesus' ministry. People started leaving John and his ministry and go to Jesus and to Jesus' ministry. His great popularity started uh, diminishing and suffering before his own eyes and the eyes of his followers. What caused the shift? You need to know a couple of things here. Jesus was performing miracles. John was not performing miracles. Jesus cleansed the temple, not John the Baptist. Jesus cleansed the temple and no one stood against him. They saw a heavenly authority being manifested through Jesus. He was healing the sick. So people saw that. And they were attracted to Jesus. They left John and they started going to Jesus. And that created tension. Not between John and Jesus, but between John's disciples and Jesus. That brings us to the issue and the response. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to, to him, Rabbi, he, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. What is this, brothers and sisters in Christ? This is jealousy. John, John's disciples became jealous of Jesus' ministry. They hated Jesus. 
They didn't want to see their teacher, John the Baptist, taking the second place in the work of God's kingdom. They almost worshipped John the Baptist. And they came to John, Rabbi, teacher. Doesn't this amaze you? They didn't even want to call Jesus by name. And instead they said, that man, the man over there, he's a problem to you and to your ministry. And listen to what they said. And all, and all are going to him. You see, jealousy always exaggerates. Some people were still with John. All didn't come to Jesus. Many came to Jesus. But you see what their jealousy is doing. It was, it was a great temptation for John. They didn't even want to mention Jesus' name. They didn't want John to take the second place. What a temptation for John, my friends. His disciples were describing the crisis that he was facing in his ministry with his fame, honor as a preacher, asking him to do something about it. Let me ask you this, my friends. Let's say someone comes to Chamley Tucker across from us, over there, and he starts a church. And we hear about it, and we start receiving reports. Many people are coming. The church just started, but they are many in number than us. How would we react? If we hear that, do you see yourself coming to me and say to me, hey, Pastor Zaki, do something here. He just started. What's going on? Something is wrong here. Do something about this preacher across the road. That's exactly what they were saying to John. Do something about this man and his ministry. Well, how did John respond? Verse 27. Listen to John's response, beloved. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. The first thing that you see in John's mind and ministry is his perception, his perspective about God and how God's sovereignty controls Everything that takes place in the world. John told them, listen, listen. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from above. You see, John's response was, don't you know that God is sovereign and one can have, cannot have anything unless it is given to him from above. That should remind us, Job's wife coming to Job 
after he lost everything, she said to John, as a wife, why are you suffering? Just curse God and die. And John's response was, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was saying, you don't understand who God is. You don't understand how God's sovereignty works over us. He gives and he takes away. He's sovereign. What about Jesus to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, in John 19, 11? When Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know that I have authority over you? And I can do whatever I want to do with you. And Jesus said to him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. You see, John, as a minister, as a pastor, understood, as a believer, understood that everything that takes place, everything that happens in the life of the church, in the life of uh, a minister, ministry, whatever it is, happens under God's sovereign control. And this is what always amazes me about John the Baptist, beloved. He believed in God's sovereignty, but you still see John the Baptist preaching. He didn't say, well, God is sovereign, Jesus has come, so I must stop preaching. I don't need to preach, I don't need to witness, the main one has come. God, through his sovereignty, will, will, elect, will gather his elect. So why do I bother myself even to go to the other side of the land and preach? John the Baptist was not a hyper-Calvinist. He truly understood what God's sovereignty means. Not only that, in verse 28, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent from him. You see, the second thing that he told them was, why are you forgetting why, what I already told you? What you heard, what you know, don't you think you are forgetting what I told you? I already told you, I'm not the Christ. In chapter 1, 6 to 8, John told us that he was not the light, but he was a witness to the light. He was not the Christ, but the messenger. In chapter 1, verse uh, 15 to 16, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. You see, John was challenging them now. I have been teaching you. I have been telling you about who the Messiah is, who Jesus is in relation to me. Why are you forgetting this? Why are you confused? John basically was telling them, I am doing what I am doing to present you to Christ. 
He is your Savior. He is your Lord. I am not. Like what the Apostle Paul told the believers at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11.2. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you, engaged you to one husband to present you as pure as a, as a pure virgin to Christ. I'm not going to marry you. You will marry to Jesus. You will be united Jesus with by faith. He is your husband. I am not. John's great display of humility, therefore. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Do you know what John was saying when he said, my joy is now complete. I must decrease and he must increase. This is what John was saying. Ministry is not about me. It is about Christ. Preaching is not about me. It's about Christ. It is about repentant sinners being united with Jesus Christ by faith. It is about ministers being Fading away in Jesus Christ. Beloved, if you don't see Christ in me and through my preaching, I'm not a faithful minister to Christ. John was saying, if I'm lost in Christ, I will rejoice. It is not about me. It is about believers growing in the grace, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Like what, sec what Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. John was saying, it's about this. It's about believers growing in the knowledge and in the grace of Jesus Christ and glory being given to God and to his son Jesus Christ, not to the preacher, not to the minister. Do you see John's humility, my friends? He must increase, he said, and I must decrease. As merely man, I must decrease. And as God, he must increase. As God, as fully God, fully man, as a mediator, as the only way to the Father, he must increase. And I must decrease. I'm not God. He is God. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the mediator. He's the Lamb of God who came to take the sins of the world, to take away the sins of the world. Remember Philippians 2.10, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John was saying this is what should take place. He must increase and I must decrease. It's not about me. It's not about preference. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. 
that brings us to the illustration. You know, the, John the Baptist gave them this, this illustration. Listen to, to his explanation in verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John tells his disciples, I want you to know that I am not the bridegroom. I am the best man. I am the friend of the, bride, the bridegroom. What does, what does it mean? In, in the ancient Israel, the task of the best man, the, the, the task of the friend of the bridegroom, was more than that we know about um, the best man today. Today, the task of the best man is to help the bridegroom who's planning to make sure that the ring is there. You know, the bridegroom would, would never lose the ring. In the ancient Israel, the best man was the one who protects the bride and the bridegroom. He holds a sword to protect both the bridegroom and the bride. He controls the reception. He takes control of the whole reception. Then this is what he does. This was his main task. After the reception is concluded, he, he leads the bride to her chamber, bedroom. And he stands at the door, protecting the bride until the bridegroom comes about midnight. And then he hears the voice of the bridegroom. He knows the voice of the bridegroom. Once he hears the voice of the bridegroom, he opens the door and let the groom go in. He closes the door and he leaves the scene rejoicing. That's what John is saying here. That's who I am. I bring the sinner to Jesus. I hand, hand over the sinner into the hand of Jesus and live rejoicing. I don't compete. I don't become jealous. I honor Christ. I glorify Christ. That's my job. That's my responsibility. Like the best man in ancient Israel. My task, my job is to present the sinner to Jesus Christ. You see, John was saying, I don't own the bride. I am not the bridegroom. The, 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 the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The repentant sinner belongs to Jesus, not to me. The bride, the bride belongs to him. But why? Why? Listen to the reasons in verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. Because he's above all, I remain to be the best man. He continues to be the bridegroom. He was he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Because he's above all, I am. 
his best man. Verse 34, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. And listen to verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. All things are in the hand of the bridegroom, not the best man. My friends, do you see what John is teaching us this morning? You and I, as believers, we need humility in our Christian life. We need to be humble like John the Baptist. We need to act and live our Christian life as if we are Jesus' best man. Friends of Jesus, not the bridegroom, but his friends. Our ultimate goal in the Christian life should be, must be, how do I glorify Jesus in my life? How do I glorify Jesus in the life and in the work of my church? Not the pastor, not the elders, not the deacons, not any member, but Jesus. Jesus. Our task as friends of Jesus best men, all of us men and women in Christ church, our task is to present sinners to him. For those repentant sinners to be married to Jesus by faith, to be united with Jesus by faith. How is your humility this morning? Are you a humble Christian? Humility is not something that we create or make it happen for our own life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer. Let us ask God to work in our life through the Word and Spirit so that you and I would become humble Christians to the glory of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the provision of your word, the preaching of your word, calling us to humility, the mark of a true minister, the mark of a true Christian, the first order of business in the Christian life and Christian living. Lord, make us by your Holy Spirit humble Christians like your servant John the Baptist. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.